0: You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Terror. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today and I'm so glad you've joined me. Have you ever been really afraid When I was about 19, my parents lived on a farm in the western Murray region near Cambrai. I was working in the far north of South Australia and in the summer holidays, it was a pleasure to come home and spend a few days with my parents around Christmas. Following that, I used to pick fruit in the Riverland close to Berry. It was Christmas Eve and I thought I'd shoot a rabbit as a treat for the family dog. So I took my single-shot bolt-action 22 rifle and rode my motorbike along the main road and stopped near a sandy track lined with mallee trees that led up to this particular lonely, rabbit-infested corner of the farm. I had only two bullets with me, and stealthily walked up the track leading to the corner of the farm. But something was not right. Normally there were plenty of rabbits in this area, but on that particular late afternoon there were none to be seen. At a strategic point I stopped behind a clump of trees and waited, supposing the rabbits had heard me and dived into their burrows, and, given some more time, would come out, allowing me to take a shot. But something was still not right. Then I noticed movement, "'about a hundred metres further up "'in the very top corner of the paddock. "'The rabbits had scurried into their burrows "'not because of me, "'but because of two large animals "'that were scuffling around. "'One was a blotchy, large, brownish, feral pig, "'and the other a large, feral dog. "'They were hunting together, "'and they were looking for a meal.' Incidentally, where my parents lived was an agricultural area, and I'd never seen anything of that kind anywhere in the district ever before. What was I to do? Yes, I had a rifle, but with only two bullets that would hardly make either of those two large feral animals flinch, I wasn't prepared to make a shot. They might consider making me their meal. Do you think I was afraid? I was completely terrified. Discretion being the better part of valour, I quietly slunk back down to the track to the road where I left my motorcycle and as quickly as possible, hurried for home, which was about two kilometres away. And while riding, I peeked in the mirror. My face was chalky white, completely drained of colour. Poor dog, he missed out on his Christmas rabbit dinner. But did I have a story to tell my parents? There have not been many times when I've experienced extreme fear, but that one experience has been deeply etched in my mind. Since then, I've had other life-threatening experiences, such as motor accidents, an aeroplane crash and others. But when the experience is very quick, like the airplane crash, one does not have time enough to consider the consequences. I was terrified because of a feral pig and a feral dog. But would you be terrified of a lamb? Revelation chapter 6 is a chapter in the Bible where symbols are largely used throughout the whole book and Revelation 6 describes conditions on the earth leading up to the second coming of Jesus. It describes God's people often referred to as the church in a sort of timeline starting at about AD 34. It describes God's people and uh, books back then were scrolls and important books were sealed with wax seals. The scroll in this vision was very important and had seven seals. Revelation chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. In vision the Apostle John says, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then he says, I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. This vision section refers to the apostolic church, where, through the apostles, including Paul, The gospel message was aggressively spread throughout the Mediterranean area during the first century AD. The church became a force to contend with and grew quickly. It was pictured as a king, a conqueror, overcoming ignorance and spreading the gospel of grace in widespread areas. And then the the chapter goes on and verses 3 and 4 say this. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. This vision represents how, under the Romans, The Church, between the years AD 100 to about AD 313, suffered great persecution. But why? Well, firstly, the rapid widespread growth of the Church posed a threat to the philosophy and culture of the heathen Romans. Secondly, because the Church was a spiritual kingdom, where values were quite different to the pagans, the Romans found it a convenient way to be popular with the other heathens over whom they had control to persecute the Christians. Now verse 5 and 6 say, When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. The black horse symbolises defeat and corruption of true faith in the church and covers the time period of about 313 AD to 538 AD. It was during this time that Christianity was legalised, and knowledge about God and the teachings of the Bible were suppressed. Christianity became tainted with paganism, and it seemed that during this area the pure religion was swallowed up in materialistic pursuits and in forms and ceremonies practiced by the Roman Church. And verses 7 and 8 says, When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades, which means the grave, and they were following close behind him they were given power over the over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth it was during this time in the period of between about 538 ad up until 1798 when the then pope was taken prisoner by the french that persecution and murder of God's faithful people was rife, mainly at the hands of the Roman Church. Millions were killed for their faith. Estimates range from 50 to 100 million Christians were martyred because of their determination to be true to God. It's remarkable that Christianity, which was originally pure and noble, had been so corrupted That the dominant Roman Church was responsible for the deaths of so many people who wanted to be part of a pure Church. It was during this time that the Protestant Reformation came into being, and many people chose to be true to God and faithful to His will in the Bible. It was during this fateful time that the Bible was translated into various languages. And people were able to read and understand it in their own language. This era could be described as the beginning of the Age of Enlightenment. Now verses 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained they called out in a loud voice, "'How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, "'until you judge the inhabitants of the earth "'and avenge our blood?' Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Here John, in vision, symbolically sees a mass of Christians who had been killed for their faith as being under the protection of the altar. They were waiting for the return of Jesus when they would be raised to receive eternal life and be given that for which they were willing to sacrifice their earthly lives for. They were waiting to receive the gift they were promised For being faithful to Jesus. Now please don't get the idea that the dead already have eternal life. Immortality is given to at the return of Jesus, and I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians fifteen verses fifty one to fifty four that explains that clearly. And here's what it says Listen I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep in death but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed for the perishable, that which does decay must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death is swallowed up in victory you know there are some very confused teachings in various protestant churches one being that there will be a secret rapture another common one is that at death the souls of the dead go up to heaven you know those teachings are deceptions although They are widely believed. The dead remain dead without consciousness until the return of Jesus. It is at that time when God's faithful people receive the promise of eternal life and not before. Well, we're going to stop here and have a little break and I'm going to share more with you straight afterwards. The theme of our topic today is terror and at the moment I'm sharing with you some verses from Revelation chapter 6 and now we're up to verses 12 to 17 where the prophet John writes, I watched as he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, the sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair and the whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the skies fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and freeman hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? This time period Jordan writes about is to do with the events immediately prior to the second advent of Jesus. These events are a further description to those Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 and for some there will be a time of sheer terror. The events will be worldwide and will affect those who rejected the grace offered to them that their sins be forgiven through the sacrifice of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. This will be such a time of terror for the unsaved. No one will be able to escape the wrath of God. The, the wicked will be destroyed by the massive upheaval on earth and the brightness of Christ's coming. Who can stand is the trailing question. Who oh, indeed? And I shall endeavour to answer that question for you shortly. There is a seventh seal yet to be opened, but that is revealed in Revelation chapter 8. But with the question who can stand, the scene of devastation comes to a close. Each of the six seals that have been opened shows a different phase of the great controversy between Christ and Satan, and each helps to demonstrate before the onlooking universe the righteousness of God. Now there is a pause in the opening of the seals. For there is a question that needs to be answered. Thus far, in the portrayal of the terrible events that precede the Second Advent, no indication has been given that anyone survives them. Hence the dramatic question Who shall be able to stand? Chapter 7 breaks the sequence of the seals in order to present an answer. Now in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 is some additional information about the destruction of the wicked. It says, And then that wicked shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Who will, during these terrible end-time events, suffer extreme terror And, who will stand protected? That is the important question. I completed my secondary education at Birdwood High School. The classrooms were in a long row and there was a veranda running the whole length of the classrooms. Teachers taught specialised subjects and at the end of each session there was a teacher changeover. Naturally, there was a pause of several minutes without any teacher from the time the history teacher left, say, and the maths teacher came. Of course, there were students who took advantage of these short breaks and messed around in the unsupervised classes. Some bright spark decided that it would be advantageous to have warning of the approaching teacher and sprinkled sugar on the veranda floor. As the teacher approached, his or her footsteps could be heard due to the crunching of the sugar crystals. The teacher came into the classroom full of apparently well-behaved students, although moments before, bedlam rained. The Bible warns in a number of places that about the coming of Jesus. Those who don't heed these warnings will be lost. Who will stand is the question. Those who heed the warnings will be saved. Those who ignore the warnings will fall. Not only are there warnings, but with the warnings come signs. Nature has signs we know spring is coming when the wattle begins to bloom we know when winter approaches when the leaves change color and fall we know that rain is coming when dark clouds begin to form jesus has given signs of his second coming and of the end of the world these signs he outlined to his disciples in an answer to their questions about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and of the end of the world. He was asked, and it's recorded in Matthew 24, verse 3, Tell us, the disciples said, When will all this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, here's a summary the signs Jesus spoke about and you can read these for yourself in Matthew chapter 24 number one widespread spiritual deception people believing lies number two people claiming to be Christ number three war number four warmongering five National conflicts. Number six. Famines. That's droughts. Seven. Earthquakes in many different places. Number eight. Christians being treated badly, persecuted, and even murdered. Number nine. Turning away from truth. Number ten. Widespread betrayal and hate of others. 11. False prophets. 12. An increase of wickedness. 13. Lack of love and respect in society. 14. Worldwide preaching of the gospel message. 15. Appearance of false christs and false prophets performing spectacular miracles. And I think I missed out an important one which is pestilences such as COVID-19 and SARS and other things like that. Then in verse 25, Jesus announced, See, I have told you ahead of time. When the history of our rebellious planet closes, those who are lost will be so because they chose to be and with a broken heart God lets them have what they chose. These people have ultimately chosen not to trust God, even in the face of abundant evidence that God is trustworthy, and even the magnificent loving character of Christ is lost to them. Those who stand are the opposite. These are they who have chosen to believe God. They have chosen to accept the sacrifice and gift provided through Jesus. They have chosen to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They have chosen to be faithful and obedient, no matter what opposition and difficulties they may encounter. At the end, There will only be two classes of people the faithful and the unfaithful the sheep and the goats the accepted and the unaccepted. The majority will all be those whom the devil convinced with his lies not to follow the Lord. They will be those who suffer sheer terror at the coming of Christ. On the other hand Will be those who welcome the second coming of Jesus with open arms, proclaiming, Lo, this is our God, we have waited for him. And they will hear these blessed words Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And you can read that in Matthew 25, verse 34. My friends, it's your choice. You may choose to ignore the sacrifice made for you and ignore the claims of God in your life. If so, you'll be one of those who suffers sheer terror at the coming of Christ, the Lamb of God. Or you could be someone who is able to stand before the judge of the universe with your sins forgiven awaiting the inheritance God has for you. So, where will you be? What choices will you make?